Services counter tonight. This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Hello, and welcome to our first Wednesday service. Glad to have you with us. Uh, first Wednesday of every month, we gather together for a special time of singing and worshiping God, and then we get into some Bible study, and I get a chance to connect and fellowship together. Tonight's study, we're continuing my little mini-series here on why are we here? How did all this happen? How did we get to where we are today? Where does Satan come from? How did, you know, what, what's this all about? Uh, so we've been taking a look at this for the last uh, couple of months, uh, January, February, uh, March was for uh, Lent, but now we're picking it up again here in April, uh, on this whole thing of, of what happened. Now, we know what happened. Um, Satan uh, rebelled against God, and God threw him and his minions uh, to the earth. They crash on this planet, create just quite the disaster. And, uh, and we're talking a lot of angels here. I don't know how many angels God has, but based on... God, I'd say a whole lot. Well, Satan, Satan, Lucifer, talks one-third of them into falling and rebelling against God. So the question that I've posed is, uh, we know what motivated Satan. It was pride, arrogance. The question I've always had is, what did he tell the angels? I mean, you have to give them something that you're egging them on with to rebel, join in the rebellion. And how, how, what do you tell somebody who has everything perfect? Again, it's one thing for him to fool us and deceive us. It's another thing, how do you, you know, because life here is hard. How do you take someone who's in heaven and convince them, gee, this isn't very good, you know? So Satan is quite the deceiver. If you feel bad that sometimes you have been tricked by him, don't feel too terribly bad. I mean, if he could do it to eternal beings who saw everything clearly, you can imagine why at times we struggle trying to get things right. Anyway, so I have come up with a hypothesis. I've just, it's a wild guess. But I think three things that Satan uh, must have said to convince these angels to rebel. Uh, one of them is that God isn't as powerful as he says he is. It has to be one of the things that he said, because why else would you launch this rebellion? Nobody goes into a rebellion. No one starts a coup uh, unless they think they're going to win. Every single person on the face of this earth who has ever, throughout the history of mankind, who's ever tried to rebel against uh, their oppressors thought that they would be successful. <laughs> Oftentimes they're not. Probably most of the time they're not, but that's what they think. Uh, so Satan in his age, he had to convince them, we can take him. We, how powerful can he be? He can't, he can't withstand all of us. Well, he finds out very quickly, in you know, short order, I don't know how long it took for for God to smack them down, my guess is it didn't take long at all. And I am assuming they were shocked, horrified, mortified that the power they ran up against was nothing they had ever even began to comprehend 
or else they would not have launched this rebellion in the first place. So they come and they walk into this wall of power that they had never even seen demonstrated. Boom! The whole lot of them get kicked out and thrown down to this rock floating around in space called Earth. All right, so we know that that had to be one of the things that he was saying to them. The other thing that I have hypothesized with you is that he probably was telling them, you know, maybe God doesn't really know what he's doing. And we looked in the Old Testament on three different occasions where you could look into heaven and what was happening around heaven were people debating with God or God even egging people on saying, listen, we've got to take care of stuff. What do you guys think? What do you think? What do you think? And how different angels would give suggestions. Very strange, right? Because we would think, clearly, God knows everything, and he does. Why is he, every time they get a peek into heaven, why is he asking for advice from other people? Now, we know today that, from a Christian worldview, that clearly God does this because he loves to hear from his creation. He's not just up there bossing people around. And we're going to get into that. Uh, a little bit later, maybe even uh, into next month, uh, where we talk about why God asks for this input. But uh, so that's why we did. But they, he probably used that as, I don't think the guy knows what he's talking about. He's always asking for advice. Who always asks for advice? I mean, if I'm supposed to be the leader and I'm always asking, well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? And at some point, you're going to get the impression, gee, Marky doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, chances are Marky does not <laughs> know what he's talking about, but that's me. I'm not God. Here's the eternal father, always asking for input, all right? Again, because he loves to hear, but from a critical standpoint, you can see how a wicked heart would think he doesn't know what he's doing. So he, they put out this challenge. He's not that strong. He doesn't really know what he's talking about. Uh, and undoubtedly, the uh, final question is he probably doesn't really care uh, about his creation as much as uh, everyone thinks. So that's my hypothesis. I think it's rooted in uh, common sense and in biblical examples. But there had to be something that he told them to deceive them. And that's my guess, is what those three things had to be part of the equation. Well, we know we answered the first one. Is God that powerful? Yeah, wow. Boy, did they get a lesson in that real quick. The second question is, uh, does he really know what he's doing? Now, remember, this is a major challenge in eternity. A third of all the angels bought into this. Undoubtedly, the other two-thirds heard it as well. So there's this question that gets sent out into eternity. And uh, so I believe what happens then is God sets out to start to answer that question. Is God's way really the best way? Does he really know the best way of doing things? Uh, maybe we can figure out another way of doing things. So what happens is, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It starts in Genesis. It says the earth is covered with water, void, confusion. That's because there's this massive jump. How do we go? God never creates anything in confusion. What happened? How did it get in confusion? Well, Satan and his angels get smashed down. We find out about it later in the Bible. So there's just this massive wreck on this planet. And then God comes and he pushes back the water and he brings life back to the earth. He creates uh, uh, all the creatures that are on the earth and uh, puts man and wife, woman on the, on the earth. And I think at this point, Satan and his angels are probably really confused, thinking, what is he doing? What is he doing? And maybe even the angels of heaven are thinking, 
what is he doing? <laughs> what a strange, strange thing to be doing. Why is he doing this? Remember, we are now in the middle of the greatest conflict in the history of the universe. This is, you know, this is the Super Bowl of all Super Bowls. There's never been a conflict like this. Boom, massive conflict. And what's going to happen next? Well, they know that all they've gotten so far is they got kicked out and that there is punishment coming. They know punishment is coming. Uh, they just don't know exactly when. In fact, when you read the Gospels, you'll find that when Jesus is walking around and he'd encounter someone who was possessed of demons, the demons would cry out more often than not, are you here to torment us now? Are you here to torment us now? Because they know it's coming. And Jesus would just rebuke them, tell them to shut up and whatever, because it wasn't coming yet. But that's the next thing. That's what's supposed to happen. We've been defeated. Where is the punishment? They're all waiting. Heaven is waiting. All these people who, uh, the creatures who rebel against God are waiting. And then God starts playing <laughs> creator. <laughs> he pushes back the water, puts all this life back on the earth, and puts man and wife on the earth. Tells them they can do anything they want. They've got free reign of the place. Just one rule. Don't eat of that one tree. Now, we don't know how long it was before they ate of the tree based on their offspring. I'd say about 45 minutes. I seriously believe that Adam and Eve fell, if not the same day, maybe the next. I mean, this wasn't long. My greatest uh, reasoning for that is he creates this incredibly gorgeous woman. I mean, we're, we're talking, this girl has got everything any man would ever desire in a woman. And at this point, he still hasn't had sex with her. Now, it's highly unlikely they walked around for eons on the earth not having sex or even weeks. I'm telling you, this, it had to have happened right away because he didn't have sex with her until after the fall. So I think they just, as soon as they found out the rules, they broke the rules and mankind fell. Now, of course, God knew what was going to happen, but why would he do that? Why, would, why is this even happening? Because God is now going to demonstrate in front of all eternity and even the fallen angels what happens when people do things God's way and when they don't. And this is now what has been playing out on this planet, according to the Bible, for about the last 6,000 years. Now, it doesn't say the earth is 6,000 years old. The earth could be a gazillion years old. All we know is that in the beginning, there, the earth was already there. Satan had fallen on it. Who knows what the time frame is for that? But since Adam and Eve, because the Bible is very clear on how many years everybody lived, you do the math, it's roughly about 6,000 years ago that all this happened. Uh, and now, for these last several thousands of years, what has been playing out is the answer in front of all of eternity and those fallen angels themselves. What happens when people do things God's way and what happens when they don't. Now we know right away, as, we, as you start to read the Bible, what happens. You know, Cain and Abel, the, the first murder, uh, the earth uh, became so corrupt and so violent, it was so bad, God had to do a reset. It had gotten out of control. They were poisoned beyond uh, repair. And we don't know, I forget what exactly, we do know if you do the math, whatever it was before that flood came. But uh, God had to wipe the whole thing out and start over again with Noah now and his family and change the rules and stuff to kind of keep things in order. 
Uh, so we know right away when people start doing things not God's way, nothing but death, violence, and destruction was resulting. Because God says, the Bible, the, the Bible says, the earth became so violent. Now we've got a pretty violent earth now, and he hasn't destroyed it. Can you imagine what it was like when God himself goes, all right, this is bad. This is really bad. This has gotten out of control. We've got to reset and wipes out everything to start over again. It had to be horrible. All of eternity is watching this. And now he starts over with Noah and all this goes along and you know, eventually Abraham and he has the Jewish nation and all, all of this, everything that you read through the scriptures is an example of what happens when people do things God's way and when they don't. Uh, and actually this story is still being played out today with all of you and with me. Uh, when we live lives where that we are obedient to God's teachings, we tend to succeed, be blessed, prosper, or healthier financially, healthier with our relationships, our families, our kids. Everything is always better when people do what, do God, what God directs us to do. And then, of course, many of us stumble and fall and struggle, and we see what happens when that happens. <laughs> Things don't go well and finances are horrible and people, uh, you know, relationships are destroyed and all the stuff, the addictions and everything else. And we struggle even through all that. A lot of people, you could take just my life and you would see what happens when Mark does things God's way and when he doesn't and what happens as a result. Uh, and it, it, you'd, you'd have to be dumb as a brick not to get the idea at some point that, hey, clearly... It's better to do things God's way. Now, this has been playing out for several thousands of years on the earth. Um, and even if you double that time frame, I think it went, you know, even longer, you know, 12, 20,000 years, whatever. Uh, it's been a long time. And all of this is being played out and continues to be played out to this very day. And what is happening is God is answering the question uh, about, is it best to do things his way or not. You've got Satan's way, you've got man's own way. Not everything people do is always the devil. Some stupid stuff we do is just stupid stuff we do. Uh, but that's not doing the right things that God tells us to do. And as a result, things are always worse. Whatever people, whatever on this planet, for however long we've been on here, every time we do things our own way, against God's way, it's always worse. It's always death, destruction, sickness, despair, brokenness, addictions. I mean, the list goes on and on. So what is happening now, and again, this is just, a, we're like in the halftime of the biggest conflict that has ever happened. Everybody, the angels, everybody's waiting for this hammer to fall on these fallen angels. But instead now, we're in a pause. That's why we are here. We are examples now to bring glory to God by doing the right things, following the right directions. Uh, that's why we learn the scriptures. That's why you're here even listening to me uh, tonight is to learn more about God and how to do things in the right way and how to uh, apply God's principles into our everyday lives so we start to glorify God. And the more successful, the happier you are, and success isn't always in terms of monetary stuff. You know, there's a lot of people who never make a lot of money at all, but their lives are very successful lives. They're blessed, they're happy, uh, got great kids, great wife. You know, as long as we keep following the right path, we are constantly giving glory to God 
And all of eternity is watching this. All these The point of it all is to establish once and for all that in fact God's way of doing things is the best. He knows exactly what he's doing and what he's talking about. This should be so strong by the time we're done, and I don't think we have that much time left, to be honest with you. Certainly the Bible itself uh, says there's not that much time left. We don't know when it's going to end. Might be a few hundred years yet, but I don't know. You know, it's, it's, there's not that much time left. It could end in five years. I have no idea. Uh, but uh, it's all going to come to an end. And never again, I want you to think about this, throughout the history of, of eternity, never again will anybody ever be able to launch the kind of accusations that Lucifer successfully did. Um, <clears throat> if anyone ever doubts a gazillion years from now into the future in eternity. So, I, you know, I don't know. Does God really know what he's doing? Man, all they're going to do is say, go, go talk to these guys. <laughs> They'll send them to us. You know, we are forever the living epistles, the living stories of what it's like. Um, and it will forever answer this question. So that's really the core of why we're here, to bring glory to God. And I'm going to get into more detail about <coughs> excuse me, um, how that's playing out uh, probably in, in the next study. But as much as we are living this out yet, there is still yet a chapter that is going to be played out where it's going to be magnified even greater. And that is when uh, the millennial reign of Christ takes over. The Bible speaks of a time when all this ends. The, let's say Jesus comes back you know, seven years from now, whatever the deal is, uh, the world's not going to end right away. If you'll study the scripture, and I'm going to show you where it says it right now, you're going to find that once this all happens, then he's going to set up shop on this planet, literally on this planet, for a thousand years, where Christ himself will rule and reign, not over angels and stuff, but over people. There will still be people living and breathing on this earth. It's not going to all of a sudden go up in a ball of fire Whenever Jesus comes back, once he comes back, there are going to the world will continue. But now, under the direct rule and reign of Christ, it will be the ultimate exclamation point to see what things were like when Satan had his way. And even still, in the middle of that, you have these great stories, the stories that you and I are living out, the stories that we see in the Bible, what happens when things, uh, people obey God and when they don't. But there is a major, major demonstration that is coming uh, on this earth with human beings on this planet where they are going to rule. Jesus himself is going to affect all of life on this planet and he's going to do it for 1,000 years. Sounds like a long time, but not when you consider how many thousands of years we've already been on this planet, right? So let's take a look at it. This is in uh, Revelation. This is the last book in the Bible. Chapter 19. And... John, who's having and he's seeing all these things, uh, verse 11 says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. Who is this rider? With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. I don't even know what that means. Uh, he's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is 
the Word of God. Remember, in the Gospel of John, it starts out, in the beginning was the Word, talking about Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword which, uh, with which to strike down the nations. And then the quote from the Old Testament, he will rule them with an iron scepter. In other words, right now, everybody has free will to do whatever they want to do. When Jesus comes back and, inst and installs his order, uh, it's with a rod of iron. <laughs> People can't act up the way they're acting now. It will be dealt with right away. There will be some serious order put in place. Uh, and this is spoken of in the Old Testament. This, this, the Messiah will come and rule with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So all of that to describe Jesus is going to be coming back on this white horse to put in order. Verse 17, and I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in the midair, come gather together for a great, the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty of horses and their riders and the flesh of all people, free, slave, great, and small. In other words, there's going to be a massive battle that's going to result in massive deaths. Okay. When I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. So it's like all of a sudden they see Jesus coming and the armies of the world are going to actually try to repel Jesus coming back. Uh, but the beast was captured, uh, the Antichrist, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Forgive me, we'll, we'll come back and we'll get into this sometime in the book of Revelation. But there's a time in the end where it says that this false prophet, this antichrist is going to be a major player in the earth. Uh, there's going to be this powerful guy that's going to be going along with him. People are going to get the mark of the beast. We're not sure what the Bible talks about. The mark of the beast is the number 666. What does that mean? We don't know till we see it. We won't not know. But they're all going to be marked with this mark of this antichrist. It's going to get really dark and ugly. Now, these two characters, the two of them, were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Wow, nasty. And the rest, all these people resisting Christ coming back, were killed with a sword coming out of the mouth of the rider of the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. He sees this, he speaks about it in past tense. So he knows it's coming. He actually saw what was going to occur. Now, the very next verse, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the keys to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. And after that, he must be set free for a short time. So they basically take Satan... And they bind him up and throw him in a hole and, uh, and is locked up. Why? So he can no longer deceive the nations. Because Jesus is now going to rule on this earth with nations. The world's, the world's going to continue with human beings. 
But now the influence of Satan and all this insanity and this craziness that we've been dealing with for thousands of years will be stopped because Satan will be bound and he will have no access to mess with everybody's head. Now notice it says that he will be released again. Why is he going to be released again? Because what happens at the end of the thousand years, these people are going to be, for a thousand years, people are going to be uh, living on the earth. The Bible in the Old Testament talks about a child will be a hundred years, you know, because there's not going to be any, you know, everybody's going to live really long lives and, you know, everything's going to be great. And all these people are going to be born into the earth during this thousand years. That's going to be a lot of people. No sickness, no disease. Can you imagine how this place is going to proliferate? And then at the end, when it does all come to an end, everybody has to be tested Everybody has to be tested to see if they're going to truly follow Christ. You would think after a thousand years of Jesus on this earth and knowing what's coming, that no one will get caught up on it. The amazing thing is at the end, Satan will be released and he will again deceive huge swaths of mankind. And they're going to gather together and try and rebel against Jesus again. And boom, that's when everything ends and then the great judgment comes. Fascinating stuff. Um, verse 4, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus, because of the word of God. These faithful people had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their forehead or on their heads. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. Um, this is the first resurrection. So most Bible scholars believe what happens here is in the first resurrection, all those who have died as believers in Christ will now come back to life. That's the first resurrection. Everybody else who did not obey God, which is the majority of human race, will still remain in the grave. All right? And he writes, Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. So this is setting up this thousand-year reign. Now, let's stop here and let's go into the Old Testament and let's look at the Old Testament's vision of this. They also saw this time of Christ ruling on the earth. Chapter 11 of Isaiah. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Now, you have to understand Jesse was the father of David. David becomes the great king. Jesus is referred to as the son of David. So the shoot that comes out from this branch is the Messiah. Uh, and from his, his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide with what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. So he's talking about this time when this Messiah, this root of Jesse, will rule in the earth. And it's, it's, he, he will suffer no fools. Anybody acts at wickedness, man, is dealt with right away. And the fear of the Lord will fear the earth, fill the earth, and people will do things the right way uh, so that God will now, as the greatest example, show all of eternity what should have happened on this planet in the first place. Okay? And then they describe what it's going to be like. It says, the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard 
will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lying and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. What, what he's describing here is these animals normally eat each other. And when Jesus rules out in this millennial reign for this thousand years, the lion will lay down with the lamb. It will stop. Uh, you will, uh, some famous paintings of a lion and a lamb sitting together. It's, it's pr- talking about this part of the scripture where it's prophesied that incredible peace will fall over the earth and nature itself will be transformed. There won't be wild animals as we understand it today. All of this killing, and even among the animal kingdom, is all the direct result of Satan and of the fall of man where Satan rules the earth. All of it will stop. Continuing reading, the cow will feed with the bear. What's unusual with that? Uh, Generally, uh, bears eat. (laughs) We'd rather eat a cow. (laughs) The young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. Uh, Basically, all these animals become vegetarians. They stop eating each other. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put his hand in the viper's nest. These poisonous snakes will bite no more. You can have your infant... Well, there's a cobra's den. Now, I do, if there's a cobra's den, you don't let your kid go there. But during the millennial reign of Christ, sure, let them play with them. They're just snakes. They're just, I know some of you hate snakes. Deanna's terrified of snakes. But all that will disappear. Why? Because there's no harm. Nothing will hurt. I'm hoping mosquitoes will cease to exist. I don't know how that's going to work. Maybe they'll at least quit biting us. I have no idea. But all of a sudden, nature itself is going to take a dramatic turn. The infant will play near the cobra's den. A young child will put his hand in a viper's nest. Neither, or they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now what's going to happen is in essence, it's going to be a picture of heaven on earth. Uh, it's going to be imposed because Jesus is going to rule with a rod of iron. Everyone has to obey. He's not playing it. But it's not going to be, uh, you say, well, that's kind of a dictator. Uh, it's going to be the most benevolent dictator in the history of the universe. He's not going to put up with people's crap. It's just, it is what it is. Uh, it's going to stop. You try to steal something, you try to hurt someone, man, boom, the hammer's going to come down. And again, there's not going to be any deceiving spirit in the earth to make people think crazy to do these crazy things in the first place. So by and large, the sinful nature of man will be very much tapped down. Uh, and it's going to be amazing. And uh, all this peace is going to be uh, promulgated through the entire world. But it will be this world with human beings. And the animals will still be here and the, all the stuff, just like we have right now is suddenly going to be transformed when Jesus comes back. Uh, initially, there will be this great battle or the armies of the, wor- you know, of the world are going to try and fight. It's, I don't know how it's all going to play out. It's going to be fascinating. I don't know if they're going to see on their radars <laughs> this thing coming towards the earth. They're going to try and resist this. What is, are these going to be aliens? Yeah, it's, Jesus is coming. Those are the aliens that are coming. And it's going to be a serious butt kicking and all these wicked armies that will be ruling all under the influence of this Antichrist and stuff will all be destroyed. It's going to be a massive battle. There's all kinds of scriptures that talk about this. This massive battle says the blood in this valley will flow as high as a horse's bridle. I mean, it's, 
it's going to be a massive wipeout of destruction of these wicked people uh, when Jesus comes back and boom, when he sets up his kingdom, everything's going to change. Uh, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a time of unparalleled peace. Now, stop and think about this. This is now, this thousand year period is going to be the most dramatic demonstration to all of eternity and to Satan's angels what it's like when they do things God's way. And it's not just after everybody dies and there's a new heaven. He's going to show it could have happened right here, right now on this earth. And it will be, and again, never again through the history of the universe, I believe what's going to happen is no one will ever again, they will never experience this kind of rebellion, these questions that God isn't that strong, that he doesn't know what he's doing. All that is going to be laid out forever. And this is going to be the most dramatic demonstration. And the interesting thing is, as believers in Christ, you will all see this. I will see this. Uh, taking part in the first resurrection. We will come back to life. It's not the final resurrection where all the wicked are going to come back to life. They're not going to see any of this. Uh, but it doesn't matter because <laughs> they ain't going where we're going. <laughs> There's no, no more debating about if God knows what he's talking about. Uh, anyway, so now let's go back to, uh, uh, where, where were we in? Uh, Revelation, um, the, 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 chapter 20, verse 7 now. What we did there is we just paused and we saw what this thousand years was going to be like, okay? Verse 7, when the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gag and, Gog and Magog, Old Testament terms, and to gather them for battle. Uh, and they'll number like the sand on the seashore. And they, will, and they marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. Um, so as incredible as this sounds, once Satan is released, again, why does he have to be released? Well, all those people who are going to be born during this time, they don't get into heaven like we, I mean, they need to be tested like, like us. I mean, everyone who gets into heaven gets through the test of trusting God and obeying God, even when Satan is trying to destroy us. You and I are living out that test by faith in Christ and with the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And we can live victorious lives and die in faith. This is our goal. Uh, but these guys haven't had that. So all of a sudden, they will now experience what we've all experienced. And what's stunning is even after watching perfect perfection with Jesus for a thousand years, Satan will release and people will start thinking crazy again. Those who have wicked hearts. You know, those who have pure hearts, who are really walking in faith towards God, won't get caught up in it. But there will be a huge percentage of human beings on this earth. I know it sounds impossible, but millions upon millions of people from around the world will now rise up thinking crazy again, just like all the crazy you see on your TV every night. This will fill their heads again, and they will gather to rebel against Jesus. So they're going to gather around the city of Jerusalem where Jesus will be actually ruling and uh, to uh, have a big rebellion. Only this time, no drama, no drug out, all the crazy that we've been watching and are experiencing and are yet to experience. 
uh, it says here that they marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, all this gigantic army, because people are thinking crazy again, and the leaders and countries are thinking crazy again. Uh, but fire came down from heaven and devoured them. <laughs> so it's like, all right, enough of this. We know how this works. And they're all going to gather and just, and just, poof, they're going to be gone. And that is now the end of it. And then verse 10, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. He wasn't for that thousand years. He was just tied up. Now he gets it. After all this time, he will get his. Where the beast and the fall prophet had already been thrown into. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. You have to remember, hell was never designed for people. It was never designed for people. It was designed for Satan and his angels. All of that. Uh, they are now going to get theirs. And then we read, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were open. So what happens now is everybody else now, the final resurrection will take place. And they're going to see these books and another book is open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it, the de and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in it, and each person will be judged according to what they had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into this lake of fire. It was never intended that any person would go there. It was for Satan and his angels and then in this final judgment, all those who had rejected God, rejected righteousness, lived wickedly, not with faith, they will now stand before God and they will be judged by all the stuff they've done. Um, they say, well, Pastor, will we be judged for our wickedness? No, because our wickedness has been washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. How many are glad for that? <laughs> now, we will have a, uh, a judgment. Maybe I'll talk about that next time. We'll see if I even remember what I was talking about. But uh, there is called the judgment throne of Christ. We will be judged by what we did, uh, not in terms of whether or not we're saved, but did you give money to the support? Were you kind to people? Were you, did you live out this thing righteously? We will all have to give an account. Uh, but it's different than this. You want to be at that judgment where we're judged for, you know, living on our faith as we should, uh, as scary as that is. But you don't want to be on this judgment list. These are for people whose name is not found written in the book of life, who've not been born again, who never accepted Christ, who never came to God in faith. And then that horrible, dreadful day will uh, be it. And everything now, eternity will have a massive reset. Whew. All this earth will go up in a ball of flame. That's when everything ends. And now eternity will begin from there. And then it's all done. This massive rebellion that happened where Satan fell and was destroyed, uh, all of that will now finally come to an end. We are still now in this calm before the storm. We are living out in faith uh, this experience of doing God, things God's way instead of Satan's way. We will be living testaments and testimonies, living books for all of eternity on what happens when you trust God and Christ uh, in the midst of all this. And again, all this will be recorded in history. I assume they'll have instant replay. <laughs> if anybody ever doubts, I don't know if there's going to be a museum for the stupid time on earth 
You know, we all have museums for different times in history. Maybe there's going to be the Earth Museum. And people will go through and look through, and they'll be able to have instant replay of what happens. Oh, my goodness, can you imagine what they're going to see? The hatred, the bitterness, the evil, the wickedness, the death, the destruction, the violence of this earth for these thousands and thousands and thousands of years will be forever played out in front of them. Uh, and how Christ, in his great love, came to redeem those and what happened. We'll talk about that. That's what answers the question, does God really love us? And we'll take a look at that as well. Uh, so anyway, so that is what's coming. This is why we're here. We are living out. All of this is ex existing. Everything you see in this earth, that we're, this is all temporary. Everything about our own existence is temporary. This whole planet's existence is temporary. This is simply a pausing point in the history of eternity to answer the rebellion that has come. And when God's done with it, man, he'll be done with it. All the questions will be answered, and this will never, ever, ever happen again. Thank God. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, for your truth. Lord, help us as followers of Christ in the midst of a wicked and lost, fallen world. Help us to live lives that bring you glory. Help us to do the right things, to avoid the wickedness and the temptations and the bitternesses and unforgiveness and all the nastiness stuff. God, help us as believers not to walk in all that garbage, to set that stuff aside. Help us not to live as... as citizens of this world anymore, because this is a bad place. Help us to live as citizens of the world that is yet to come, citizens of heaven. Help us to experience now on this earth the glory that is yet to come in the world that is to come. We thank you for your grace in this matter. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Amen.